It never ceases to amaze me how I can be looking for exactly the right lead-in line before I hit the record button, and then somehow when I just hit the red button, I find some words to share. So, for what it's worth, if you get tripped up like that, I would say just jump in because you'll always figure something out. I'm Sandy Mackey, and you are joining me for another installment of Heavy Breathing just before midnight and sometimes even a little bit earlier. How about that? I think so far yesterday was one of my favorite sessions to do. I cannot believe how many minutes passed from the time that I hit the record button until I wrapped it up. I didn't even really remember exactly what I was saying. I knew somehow consciously while I was saying it um, what I was saying or I had a vague idea and then when I was done I don't always replay the episodes back for myself but I did and uh, here's a little secret I'm sort of worried that nobody is going to find these interesting and I think I mentioned in the first podcast I'm doing it for me and I'm hoping that people will find a little bit of something that they can enjoy in the process if they can't that's okay too and I'll probably still keep doing them I will say that I enjoyed myself in the last podcast both during the recording and listening to it myself so I guess if I can keep my own attention then there is hope that I'll keep some of yours maybe let's explore the topic of personalities and go a little bit deeper in that today because I think it'll help gain some insight into the world. I have been studying personalities for several years now. Um, some of you may know that my background as far as an education goes is in business. It's also in marketing and the most fascinating part of my education I would say um, came in the psychology field that is actually what my major was in. We'll get into a whole discussion about the educational system and the relevance of said education in a future podcast. For today though I simply bring it up because psychology is something that just excites me. The study of psychology, trying to figure out why people do what they do, how do they come to the conclusions that they reach sometimes, um, some of those actions that people take or some of the things that we hear come out of our mouth or come out of other people's mouths and you look at and you're astounded. You know, where does that come from? That's all got some uh, psychological influence. Social media and marketing are also two really interesting topics to me and what is even better is they both combine business with people and the understanding of people. So social media, psychology, marketing, everything kind of goes hand in hand. And there's a lot to be learned from a basic understanding of the personality types. I don't think I even realized that there was such a thing as different personality types until you start uh, being exposed to some of the different personality tests. I think maybe if I remembered, you know, and thought way back to middle school, high school, 
Maybe there was one of those um, little programs that we did where you got a piece of paper and everybody had to choose what color they were based on some characteristics. I know I took a continuing education class uh, a handful of years ago and there was a personality um, kind of personality quadrant breakdown in the class. We didn't do any type of a quiz or a test, but by looking at a few different bullet points, the instructor asked us each to go to the area of the room that we most associated with. I think that was an eye-opening exercise for me. It was really before I had begun to study personalities in depth myself. And it was really cool and you know, got my attention that the instructor who was leading this class had us split up into the four corners. And when we were in the four corners, we were to spend just a couple minutes talking with each other. I think maybe we delegated somebody to be the spokesperson and then we had to answer a question. And then it was time for the interactive part of the feedback. And what the instructor had gone on to share with us was that he can normally tell when people come into a room which one of the four, there's typically four different quadrants, depending on which study you look at, there could be more, could be arranged differently, but in general, um, there's typically four that people would be able to recognize. And he would say that he could spot and tell and predict where somebody would be. And then he was outlining some of the different things going on in the group. How one of the group, everybody was standing there and they had their arms crossed. Another group, of course, forgot the instructions and they were just too busy talking so they didn't get anything done. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple things about the other groups that I'll get into as I really start to talk about them. So anyway, that was my, really one of my first eye-opening experiences with personalities. And from there, my experiences with the insights group and putting that together um, really helped to solidify these thoughts because my business partner has been a student of personalities for years and years and he has a lot of great stories to relate what these different personality characteristics mean and then how we can interpret those and how we can use those so thanks to him really I developed a pretty clear understanding of how the personalities interact with each other and how you can predict behaviors and understand just what motivates us or what we don't even know motivates us that is motivating us. One of the significant turning points for me in the application of using information about personalities was when I was able to look at my children and some of the behaviors that I could have looked at in them and I could have thought, wow, my kids just aren't listening to me or why is this so hard? Why can't they just understand? Or, you know, why do I react this way to things that my kids say and do? When I was able to understand personalities more and the dynamics of what goes into that, it completely opened my eyes to a way of having a relationship with people and with my children, coworkers, clients, it opened my eyes to having relationships in a whole new way because when we don't know that there's more personality types in our lives, then maybe we think everybody is just like us or maybe we hope everybody is, is just like us or 
maybe we think that we're the only one who's normal and then all these other people just have these annoying behaviors and we're not really sure what to do with it. I know that equating this to something that I could learn about my kids really did shift that for me. And teaching it in a business setting, I think, is one thing. And then when we're teaching it in a business setting and remind people to apply it at home and with their family, I think that's really when it clicks into place and when some people really get it. Because of course, when we're dealing with business, people are putting their game face on, maybe they're altering their behaviors based on situations. And I think that a lot of our default behavior patterns stem from when we are the most comfortable. And most people are the most comfortable when they're at home. Studying personalities and figuring this out is so, so critical, especially if you're a parent. When I had the realization that this is such a big piece of life and so many people don't understand it, I started running through scenarios in my head where I was thinking about, you know, maybe two people that I knew who hadn't gotten along or they always seemed to butt heads. And I now had the awareness that if only they knew that one was this personality type and the other one is this personality type. If they understood that, then they would know that neither one was doing it on purpose and then they would find out that digging in their heels on each side wasn't going to serve anybody because they couldn't see it and neither one of them was going to move. So I could go on and on with stories about personalities and once I know that you've got a little bit more of the background on the way that I'll refer to it, I'm sure I'll add some more of those into our discussions. So I'm going to borrow a story that my business partner shares in terms of explaining the four different personality types. And we are going to break this down into four. Again, I said that depending on which personality study you look at, they could be arranged slightly differently. There's studies that probably have eight different categories. There's some that have 10, you know, just depends on which one you're looking at. The study that I am going to base a lot of this discussion on is a four, um, it comes from about 460 BC by Hippocrates of Kos, who was a Greek physician, and he believed that human moods, emotions, and behaviors were caused by body fluids. So he figured that he could put you into one of four categories and you were in that category based on what he thought was the type of body fluid that you had running through you. Um, we're going to base this discussion on that. Um, there have been books that have been written and there's several nice resources if you'd like to get more of an understanding of it. So that's where it comes from. Um, another popular personality study that this does correlate with very nicely is the DISC profile system. Of course, um, depending on where you look at DISC from, they have proprietary information in the way that they deliver that. Um, this one, which is, you know, kind of an age-old study, really is independent of any of those. It is based on Greek philosophy, and um, we'll just kind of jump into it from there. So back to the story. So the story that my business partner would tell about the four personality types where if you pictured four people walking down the road and they came upon a house that was on fire, the first personality would take charge. They would say, you, you go call the fire department. You go find buckets. You go see if anyone's in the house. They would start kind of ordering the troops around to see what can we do. Here's a fire. Let's accomplish something. 
The next person that was there would pull their calculator out of their pocket and they would start doing the math and they would say, hmm, at 3,000 gallons per minute times, we can put the fire out in and they would compute the exact appropriate time. Once they had done that, they would probably put their calculator back into their pocket, perhaps in their pocket protector next to their 12 different ink pens in various colors, widths, sizes, and shapes and then they would be able to move on with their day. The next person would simply say, what can I do? Tell me what to do, where can I help? And the fourth person would say, woohoo, where's the marshmallows? There's a fire. So each personality, and that's an indication of the four personality types, each personality type coming upon the same situation is going to have such a completely different perspective from the personality of the person standing next to them. So the way that these um, lay out in the four different quadrants, and I will start to use the terms now that I'll probably use to refer to these throughout. The first person who started giving directives and giving orders, that's what we're, we will refer to as the choleric personality. The second person who took the calculator out of their pocket protector and started to analyze the situation and do the math, they would be very analytic and we will refer to them as melancholy. And we don't mean melancholy in sad, although I will get to how that is a trait that this particular personality is known for. Um, the third person who said, what can I do? How can I help? Was waiting for direction, but wouldn't necessarily take ownership and start bossing people around. That's the phlegmatic personality. And then the fourth personality, woohoo, let's get the marshmallows. Every day is a party. And it's sometimes a loud party. That would be the sanguine. So the four personality types that we're going to be talking about are the choleric, the melancholy, the phlegmatic, and the sanguine. So what do we need to know about the choleric personality? Uh, the choleric personality is often a pretty strong, pretty driven personality. Um, they're going to be the most forceful of the four different quadrants. Normally, when a choleric says, I'd like something done, I mean I'd like something done yesterday or I would like that it would have been done before now. So, um, you know, there's kind of a joke. I am of the dominant cleric personality, especially in work situations. And there's a joke that if I say, oh, could you make a phone call for me? And I'm asking somebody else. I don't mean could you make a phone call when you have time, when you finish what you're doing, when you feel like it. When I ask, can you make this phone call, it means, can you drop what you're doing and can you make this phone call right now? Because once you do that, I can check it off my list and then I don't have to think about it anymore. So that's the choleric's default style most of the time, acting pretty concisely and quickly. The choleric is going to like to be active, making quick decisions, getting information at a fairly rapid pace. Um, put an obstacle in front of a choleric, they will figure out how to climb over it, go around it, bury it, whatever the case may be. Cholerics aren't big fans of the details. So bullet points, bottom line, straightforward, that's what a choleric is wanting to know. Although sometimes a nuance 
a cleric will see they don't necessarily need the detail but if they catch a nuance or something that they can grab onto and make a decision about and run in a new direction or make something happen definitely very aware of those opportunities um, one of the maybe opportunities to grow for a cleric would be that while acting as leaders they may have a tendency to run people over um, kind of picture a speedboat cutting through the water with waves you know rippling out behind the boat typically if there's a cleric driving the speedboat whether there's uh, obstacles or you know kind of things in the way they're just gonna keep running on through and you're gonna see kind of people floating in the in the wake of the boat after they've gone past clerics also like to um, empower people to a certain extent as long as people are responding to what's being presented. Um, typical qualities in a cleric would be energy, passion, um, leadership, very rational, strong-willed, aka stubborn, um, independent thinking, very opinionated, or you know, I don't know that I like opinionated, but yeah, we'll make a decision and have an opinion about just about anything. That would be accurate. And uh, quick thinker. Cholerics also, um, in terms of things that they could maybe just be consciously aware of that might be opportunities to grow, would be um, the ability to get frustrated or maybe get angry quickly if things in a situation aren't as quick or decisive or being accomplished um, like a cleric would like. They can be a little bit sarcastic, of course highly opinionated, which is kind of a bonus, can also not be so awesome sometimes. And being considerate. A cleric, you know, deep down I know everybody just wants to be considerate. A cleric sometimes in the haste to get things done and make decisions won't take the time to go back and um, soothe out any ruffled feathers or make sure that you know if something has been delegated and then it hasn't happened quickly enough and the cleric takes it away you know they don't necessarily stop to find out how that made you feel so keep that in mind a lot of clerics um, do end up in powers of or powers positions of authority uh, military, political figures, supervisors, coaches, entrepreneurs. So, you know, there's in this in the personality study, and I probably should have mentioned this before. You know, there's no perfect personality. We have elements of all of the personalities within us. So there's a little bit of choleric, a little bit of melancholy, a little bit of sanguine, and a little bit of phlegmatic in each of us. Depending on what our dominant personality is, and then our secondary personality will determine kind of the mix of how these play out. So you'll have more of one, maybe a little bit less of another. Um, some people are fairly balanced and would be, you know, kind of even in their distribution of all their qualities. And some people are very uneven. So something to keep in mind, in the personality study, there is no right answer and there is no wrong answer because we are all a mix and that mix needs to be celebrated whatever your dominant personality is needs to be celebrated and then you need to also be aware of what some of those potential li limitations in your personality would be so let's keep that in mind as we talk a little bit more about this 
So let's talk about the melancholy personality next. Um, the melancholy could also be called the analytic. They're going to be very um, introverted, not necessarily interested in people, in you know highly social situations, um, unless you know maybe their secondary personality kicks in there. Um, a melancholy typically likes the status quo. They would um, be pretty self-critical. Maybe glasses half empty versus always half full. Melancholies are also really thoughtful. Um, they're going to ponder all kinds of things. One of the characteristics of a melancholy in their shopping is typically when a mel melancholy is looking for a new television set. They will know every store that is carrying the television set that they're looking for. They will know the model number, they'll know the features, they will know the price, they will know how big it is, how tall it is, and all of those kinds of details. And if you ask them, they could tell you. They also won't make that decision to buy until they are satisfied that they have absolutely all of the information that they need. As opposed to a cleric who, you know, say they were buying tires for their car. A cleric is probably going to pull into the next tire place that they see. They're going to go to the customer service counter. They're going to say, here's what I need. Do you have them? The clerk is going to say, yes, I do. The cleric says, how much do they cost? The clerk says, here's your price. And the cleric will probably say, well, it's a pretty fair price, right? If I went down the road, would the stores around here have them for a similar price? And if the clerk says yes, and says that they can get it done right now, probably the cleric isn't going to be looking any further or price shopping. That would probably make a melancholy just a little bit crazy. So a little bit of a difference in the way that they acquire information. Um, melancholy does have perfectionist tendencies, pretty self-reliant. A couple of the opportunities for growth in the melancholy personality would be they might be perceived as moody, um, not necessarily making friends easily, sometimes indecisive just from needing so much information, uh, and it might be a little bit easy to offend a melancholy personality. Uh, melancholy personalities are super positive if you need the detail-oriented person on the team to get something through. Um, they will also be great researchers, find all the details, outline the pros and cons. Um, I know several melancholies in my life and they would love to organize the entire world on an Excel spreadsheet. So. For those of us who don't like details or Excel spreadsheets, they come in handy to have as some of our very best friends. So when we learn to communicate with each other, we can share the styles of things that we'd appreciate and we can also help to coach in um, ways that maybe won't be so helpful. So I will get back to that a little bit more in just a minute. Um, let's talk about the phlegmatic personality. A phlegmatic is typically pretty steady and easygoing. They're going to be very loyal, uh, but you've got to watch that loyalty because if you embarrass a phlegmatic or call them out on something in front of other people or you make them feel um, silly or feel inferior, the phlegmatic who is incredibly loyal and would follow you anywhere and do anything for you, if you cause them to feel in this way, 
they have a light switch and once that switch flips and you're on the other side of it there is nothing that you can do to recover that relationship with a phlegmatic so as peaceful and easygoing as a phlegmatic is once something has happened that changes their perspective it is done so keep that in mind because you know we would think oh nothing will ever rock the boat yeah there's things that'll rock the boat Phlegmatics um, are usually great humorists. They have a great sense of humor and can use it to make their points. They might not be the first to volunteer, but they are so loyal and follow it through that if you have something that needs to be planned or put together, you know, phlegmatics not going to be the one with the clipboard and the checklist, but they are going to follow something through until it is accomplished. So they're definitely the person to have for the detail person, the finisher person. A phlegmatic, the internal motivation for them to do things um, really comes on their own time and in their own way. So if we try to figure out ways to motivate someone who is a phlegmatic, um, really that's not going to be very productive because they do make their own decisions maybe not in the same time frame that the other three personality quadrants do but you know they'll make it in their own time and in their own way and we need to just you know kinda let that process happen um, some of the best characteristics about phlegmatics especially you know in children and I can say this because I have a very phlegmatic child is that they're super self-content, self-reliant, um, incredibly kind, accepting, affectionate. They like stability. They like consistency. They like certain routines, you know, like things the way that they are, but not necessarily to the point that a melancholy would like the routines. Um, they're going to be really relaxed if something, you know, is out of the ordinary or outside of the routine. They're going to kind of go with the flow. Um, nothing is really going to flap them. One of the things that you might notice um, if somebody in your life is phlegmatic or if you're phlegmatic that maybe some of the other personalities can't understand is when you ask a phlegmatic what they would like for dinner or where they would like to have dinner or what they would like to do for fun on Friday night, they will typically not be able to give you an answer. And it's not that they don't want to give you an answer, it's just that that question for them is unanswerable. Maybe if you gave them a choice, would you like to do this or this? Maybe they would pick one. But chances are, and with some of the melancholies that I know in my life, you could ask, where would you like to have dinner? You will not get an answer. And you can ask, well, would you like to go here or here? And you're still not going to get an answer. Most of the time it'll be, well, whichever you pick is fine with me. Um, when we're coaching, sometimes in uh, my line of work, we would coach dental offices and we would kind of joke that the phlegmatic patient is the one that their spouse or significant other made them their appointment uh, because they're not necessarily going to do it themselves unless you know the need is really really there. Phlegmatics are also um, great administrators, diplomats, and they make excellent educators or counselors uh, because they are so laid-back and relaxed and they are able to kind of see all the different sides of a situation. Um, those are some excellent qualities for people that are in those positions. So let's talk a little bit more about the sanguines also. 
Sanguine, just by nature of the name, when you say it, it kind of gets louder and, you know, slightly more energetic. Sanguines want to be the life of the party. They love people. They don't like being alone. Um, you'll notice when sanguines come into the room, they are the ones who are talking, probably loudly, no matter what's going on. Um, they kind of like to make an entrance. If everything in the world were about them, they would be thrilled. Um, natural salespeople can talk to anybody about anything, super extroverted. Usually has a story for everything, um, comfortable meeting new people, having new experiences, um, really solitary that a melancholy might enjoy is going to be the opposite for a sanguine. Um, if somebody has the two personalities melancholy and sanguine you'll notice that they might flip in between really loving certain things with a lot of people and then really needing that time where they can be alone and just kind of explore um, you know quiet things or not have the demands of people. Um, sanguine's tend to be touchers. They get a little bit closer into your personal space than some of the other personalities. Um, that can definitely make a phlegmatic really uncomfortable. Um, so again, something to watch for sanguines is when you're meeting people of the phlegmatic personality, you want to make sure that there's a buffer zone in between you and someone else. And whatever you would perceive enough personal distance to be, probably double it. And that's what a phlegmatic would feel a little bit more comfortable with. So um, sanguines are creative, daydreamers, sensitive and compassionate, thoughtful, sarcastic. Um, they're a starter versus a finisher. They probably like to start activities and then once it stops being fun they want to move on to the next thing or maybe they forgot about the first thing and they're on to the next thing already. A few of the opportunities for sanguines to grow would be, um, you know, they're messy, they're chronically late because they're really busy being absorbed into whatever they're busy being absorbed in before the, you know, they realize the time has changed and they're supposed to go somewhere. And sometimes that self-discipline thing, well, that's just not very much fun. So why would we do that, right? So those are some of the characteristics of a sanguine. So let's talk about why this is so important. One of my big ahas, as I mentioned, was when I could relate this to my family and my children. Uh, my daughter is a choleric and probably secondary personality trait is a sanguine. So she took the test. She would have higher scores in the choleric column and the sanguine column and then not so much in the phlegmatic column or the melancholy. Um, my son scores extremely high in the phlegmatic category followed second by melancholy and then probably the next one um, or they're really close are the choleric and the sanguine um, he's just social enough for me to know that he's he's got just a little bit of sanguine um, not so much choleric depending you know once in a great while we'll see something like that from him so that's kind of how that breaks out and my personality as I mentioned before is a choleric and then depending on the situation, um, if it is kind of a work situation where I need to be a party starter, networking, get people involved, then I will be um, secondary sanguine. I will bring my social skills, my people skills, I'll kind of, you know, bring that to the party. 
probably my default um, secondary personality trait which would be maybe more evidenced um, at home or in my personal life is going to be a little bit melancholy and a little bit phlegmatic so interesting combinations um, if you've got people in your life and just by the descriptions you've been able to kind of you know figure out which quadrant maybe they would fit in um, it's a really cool thing to look at each of the personality types and kind of pinpoint some of those things that would help match them up if there are people in your life though that you would really like to know how they fit on the um, personality list there is a link that'll be uploaded with this podcast that'll be a 40 question um, uh, kind of multiple choice test so that you could give this to someone at home and or at work and see how they come out in the uh, the personality study so that it's not just what you're thinking that they are exhibiting but it's what they think of themselves that's an interesting thing too if you end up taking the test um, take it for yourself and then have somebody close to you take it for you because often we are so close to it that we don't see what's going on but um, depending on the situation or how you know someone they might actually be reading different personality tendencies in you than what you think you're exhibiting with the world so that's always a fun exercise to do so what does it mean that we know about these four um, types of personalities and how can we apply that in our lives well in my family um, knowing that I'm choleric and melancholy or sanguine as it calls for it and knowing that my daughter is choleric and sanguine um, you know she's also older than my son so I think with older children we tend to assume that they're gonna take charge more they're going to kinda be a little bit more of the dominant personality and in this case that's definitely the case but I don't think it's a matter of birth order it's just a matter of their personality types um, my son being phlegmatic relaxed laid back go with the flow you can push and prod him for a pretty good period of time before he'll even you know have much of a an alternate response to that but you get my daughter fired up she's choleric you know right now you're gonna know that there's something going on and this is how we're gonna fix it think about people that you work with or maybe relationships um, you know if you're in a business and you've got different clients that you're working with which personality traits can you tell come out in them because if you're melancholy and you're trying to interact with someone who is sanguine um, you're gonna wanna be aware of that like distance rule you'll also want to know if you're dealing with a cleric that a cleric doesn't want details if you say a spreadsheet to a cleric they probably might feel better knowing that you have a spreadsheet but will they ever ask to see it probably not um, and you know for the phlegmatic personality especially in the world of entrepreneurship um, a lot of times the motivation for a phlegmatic to kind of make things happen and make them happen quickly um, it doesn't come around the same way that it does for some of the other personalities so we need to know what our strengths are we need to know what our limitations are and then we need to know how each of these traits interacts with other people because when we look at it not from our perspective but when we look at it from somebody else's perspective then we better know how to communicate with them 
you know, some people could probably ask the question, well, isn't that just being, you know, non-authentic if you know what someone else's personality is and then you, like, change yours so that you can interact with them? I wouldn't say that it's not being authentic. I would see, say that it's being so authentic and so understanding that you know what's going on and that you are able and willing to um, communicate in a way that becomes so much more effective for whatever the transaction is or whatever the situation is that you're doing that. So I think it's, it's really a way of honoring um, the differences and the similarities in us and in other people so that we can, you know, create some of the best relationships possible. In my life, I mentioned I know a couple of uh, people that we'd probably put in the pretty melancholy category, and I do business with some of them. I'm friends with some of them. And, you know, we kind of have jokes that when we're in a conversation and I hear the words, come in and look at this diagram on the whiteboard, I'm cringing already. I'll probably go and take a quick peek and my melancholy friends know that they need to give me the bullet points really, really fast. So we're able to communicate with each other and we can also make a joke of it. Because if there is something that's important enough that I do look at an Excel spreadsheet for, I absolutely can. But if I don't have to, then I'm definitely not going to. So, you know, we can joke about it to a certain extent, but don't joke about it so much that it becomes an excuse. It's a great way, though, to break some of that ice when you're sitting on, you know, different sides of the table and you don't exactly see it eye to eye. If you're able to even bring this up sometimes and say, well, you know, guys, my personality characteristics that I know are getting in the way here are these. Is there any way that we could kind of work this around or maybe can you explain it in another way? Or from my paradigm or my perspective, here's the way that I'm seeing this and I'd really like to understand more what your perspective is. So if we just think that we're all the same, then we don't know to look for some of these nuances. And unless you've really studied personalities and are able to understand what motivates people, then the best way that you're going to learn is by asking those questions. That's how I've learned. Um, and I've been so lucky since learning about personalities to teach about personalities and have the opportunity to facilitate um, group discussions and workshops where we can give everybody a personality test and then we can put the results on the board. We can have a little bit of a discussion um, summarizing some of the characteristics like I've led up to here and then we can as a group kind of explore what some of those dynamics are. And you see the light bulbs going on when people you know come to this awareness about oh wow that's why I do this or that's why she's the way that she is. And again, it's not a means to excuse any type of behavior or any situation, but it's a way of understanding that there are differences, and those differences can be celebrated. And if we don't understand them, sometimes they can cause us trouble. So, you know, let's do our best to understand those, because that would be some of the, the best ways that we can increase our communication skills. Um, with the personalities, too, like I said, there are, you know, the four different quadrants, and we all have a little bit of each of them. Under situations of extreme stress or when things become difficult in someone's life, a pattern that we can witness in a lot of people is that whatever their uh, main personality character characteristic usually is, whatever their dominant one is, um, if they become stressed or if things are becoming a struggle, they 
don't consciously know that they're doing this, but if their default personality style is not working, then they'll probably try to employ their secondary um, characteristic. So if your primary characteristic, like mine, is choleric, and normally you try to direct to the point, figure out how it's going, and if that's not working, then the next thing that you'll probably do is go to the melancholy, um, if you're like me, and that would involve like organizing closets and alphabetizing things because that's how you're trying to cope with that stress. When that doesn't work, you go to the third um, personality characteristic, and when all else fails, the one that most often comes out as your last resort, which is really you know kind of your your most powerful coping mechanism is going to be the personality that when you take the test you score the least in because unconsciously you think okay plan A didn't work, plan B didn't work, plan C is not going so well, plan D is all I've got so I've got to make that happen so that's why we notice um, sometimes in extreme stress you know you can look at someone and say wow I don't even know who I'm talking to right now and they're probably saying, I don't know who you're talking to right now either, but this is all I have left. So recognize that in people and help them to understand because when we all know that this is going on, then we can have conversations about it. We can neutralize some of that energy and we can create really great experiences um, that may have otherwise been challenging. So, um, so I hope that during this whole discussion of personalities, you've gotten a little bit familiar with the four personality types, the sanguine, choleric, phlegmatic, and melancholy. I reference this a lot as Sandy in real life, so I can only imagine that in the podcast series here, as we're continuing our conversations, that I will reference these um, with some amount of regularity as well. So, you know, take a little bit of time to study some of the personalities. Um, take the quiz if you feel so compelled. I will also put a couple of um, book recommendations up on the website that you can take a peek at. Um, one of them that I recommend that you look into if you'd like to learn a little bit more about the personality types is a book called Personality Plus by Florence Littauer, L-I-T-T-A-U-E-R. Um, Florence Littauer has the book that explores some of the ways that these work together and you know there's a, a whole host of other resources you can do some searching online and find a lot of information um, and just remember that you know when we're looking at these personality studies it is not to label and it is not to generalize but it is to celebrate and explore those things that make us special unique and different because each of us has a combination of characteristics that we put together with our own secret sauce so that's our own special way of dealing with the world and when we take the time to get to know ourselves more when I've taken the time to get to know myself more then I am able to get to know other people more as well so I have enjoyed the journey um, I thoroughly enjoy having conversations with my kids especially when we're having some of those family dynamic situations and I can step back and say well guys so here's the reason why I did what I did and you know, let's talk about how you're feeling and then let's figure out how we just make this all work together with a synthesis because that's what it's all about. So until next time, have fun exploring personalities and becoming even more aware of 
some of the incredible um, opportunities we have to get to know one another and you know create even bigger realities and even bigger possibilities in our lives.